Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, and welcome back, everyone, to America's favorite podcast, Living Your Dash with Pastor Rick Hale. What do you think about that? Rick? Wow, you're stretching it a little bit there, maybe, Sean. What? No, 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 I, no I appreciate no. your optimism. <laughs> well, you know, if you don't mind, I'm just going to ask for a little mercy for being a tad bit excited here. Wait a minute. Are you leading into and transitioning into our topic today? Yes, I think that the, the term in the, you know, the big the big productions is a segue. Is that is that right? A beautiful segue into our new campaign that we started Sunday here at Grace called The Miracle of Mercy. Yes, it's, I'm so excited about this series. So Rick, can you, can you tell us why you chose this series to accentuate the fall? Because I know fall series are important because they, they seem to be like a cornerstone of teaching for the church. Everybody kind of expects one. Why this series? Yeah, it was very interesting how it all happened. Uh, Pastor Kevin Price, who is over our uh, discipleship ministry here at Grace and coordinates all the small groups. Yes. Early in the year, probably January, February, we were talking about what would be a good small group a study to do later in the year. And he was looking at different possibilities. And he came in one day, he said, Rick, I think I have found a series that would not only be a good small group study, but this would be a great campaign for the whole church. Hmm. And he said, it's called The Miracle of Mercy. Well, we got into it and he looked at all the videos and he said, this is great, great material. Mm -hmm. I then took it, began to look at it. And it just, it not only is the quality of the small group curriculum just superb, but what grabbed me about the topic of mercy, Sean, Everyone I know needs to learn how to receive God's mercy, mm-hmm. and everyone I know needs to learn how to extend mercy to other people. Yeah, It doesn't matter who you are. In life, you need the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, you need the mercy of God. As much as you need air to breathe and water to drink, you need the mercy of God. But the people around you, they need that mercy that God gives you to flow through you because, Sean, you know, we, we rub each other wrong. Yeah. We hurt each other's feelings. We say things, we do things that hurt other people. We need to learn to extend mercy. If we don't extend mercy in our culture, the culture explodes. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we chose Miracle of Mercy. I, I, I sometimes think about the genius of our Lord and when, when he tells us those great commands of, of love one another. I mean, uh, we, the world has seen Christians talk about loving each other for a very long time. And, uh, and, and in fact, I believe that the world has been changed for the better because of that. I mean, do we get it right all the time? No, but because otherwise it wouldn't have been a command, right? How do you, how do you phrase it? If it was easy, everyone could do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, people have a misnomer about the commands of God. They somehow think God is up there going, okay, I'm going to make life miserable for those little peons down there on planet earth. So I'm going to make a list of everything they love to do. And I'm going to tell them they can't do that. And everything they don't want to do, I'm going to say, you got to do that. 
Sean, the exact opposite. God knows us inside and out, and he is in our corner. Mm-hmm. He has got our back, and his commands, every one of his commands, are for our benefit. Yes. And when we really get into this study of mercy and we start talking about forgiving people and helping people, encouraging people, being patient with difficult people, mm-hmm. I mean, those are some of the topics we're going to hit in the weeks ahead. We're, we're going to learn that they are for our benefit. Yes. And like we talked about a few weeks ago in the parable on forgiveness, mm-hmm. if you don't forgive, you're the one who That's suffers, right. yeah. not the other person. That person sleeps like a baby. Uh, you're the one that that just bitterness eats you Seeding alive. inside, yeah. So those commands to be merciful, God gives those to us because he knows they're not only going to benefit the recipient, but blessed are the merciful, mm-hmm. Jesus said. Blessed are the merciful. In other words, if you're merciful, the word blessed means simply happy. Yeah. Uh, so really, you know what this series is going to be about, Sean? What's six that? weeks. It's a six-week journey toward happiness. Wow. We are going to learn how when you learn to receive and give mercy, you will find genuine, authentic happiness in your life. So someone's at their workplace or they're they're dealing with issues in their family or something like that, and they're just not happy. I mean, this is something that that really they need to lean into. This is a life changer. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I don't say that lightly. This series, I just came an hour ago, two hours ago, for my small group. Mm-hmm. Normally, our small group has about eight or nine people. We had 19 people. Wow. People are <laughs> eager to learn, <laughs> eager to learn about mercy and listening to the discussion Yeah, and, and the, how it has challenged some people already to take steps to, um, to restore relationships with people. It, yeah. it, was, it was just, well, it was a miracle today. Yeah. I witnessed a miracle of the mercy of God. Wow. In our, and that was just our first week. That's amazing. That's amazing. I know I've been touched by it. And I, I think that, that uh, uh, as I, I've gone to Bible, Bible, Bible school, I've been to, uh, uh, to, to the university to study uh, words and things like that. But, but I think that, that I was reminded again of just of, of how I, I, if I ever say to myself, oh, I've, I've studied that before. I know those words. I don't know them. I don't know them, and I'm so glad that you chose to go through this because we really do need it. Uh, the other thing I was going to say also is that the, the genius of our Lord in that we not only need to receive mercy from others, but if we don't learn to give mercy, uh, this is it a form of love? Is it, it is, is it a, how would you describe that? Is it well, expression of love? Yeah, we're going to learn that uh, mercy obviously touches our emotions, yeah. but it can never stop with our emotions. We're going to learn that mercy is love in action. Okay. Love in action. That's okay. the phrase that is in the, in the curriculum that was developed. And we saw it today in our small group that compassion, if it stops with, oh, yeah, I feel compassion for you, Sean, but if it never translates into action, then it's... Uh, it's mercy added to nothing. Yeah. It becomes nothing. Yeah. Boy, if mercy has no direct object, what is it? Absolutely. <laughs> right? Okay. So, all right. In fact, you, you actually said in the message, in fact, if uh, folks, if you haven't listened to Rick's message yet, you need to go to roswellgrace.com forward slash watch and listen to the message. But in the message, you said that this series is for us to better understand the heart and character of God, right? 
Absolutely. And Sean, God has received a lot of bad press, mm. a lot of bad press in this world, inaccurate press, fake news, I guess we would call it <laughs> in our culture today. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and, and that is some people say, you know, God created the world and stepped away and said, okay, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. So God is indifferent. Other people think God is just ticked off. He's just mad. And he's angry. He's an angry God. Some of us, Sean, grew up in churches, I hate to say, yeah. that were very angry-oriented. That, that, man, if you don't get down here on the front row and repent of your sins, you know, God is going to strike you with a bolt of lightning. And that hoping to motivate people with, with God's anger and God's wrath. Well, God got a lot of bad press. The problem is, now think about this, very important. Mm -hmm. This bad press damaged his reputation, but not his character. Uh -huh. Reputation is what other people think. Character right. is who you really are. Mm -hmm. God's character has never been damaged. And what we're doing in this study is we're looking at the character of God as he describes and defines himself. So he really, in, in, when people listen to this first message, they're going to hear it where God appears to Moses and says, Moses, here's what I want you to understand about who I am, my character. We might say my spiritual DNA. Mm. And the, uh, the first descriptive word is mercy. Yeah, I'm a merciful God. I think about uh, the, the gods, little g, right, uh, in the context of, of when God revealed himself in this way. So you've got uh, what God's like uh, Molech and and uh, Asherah and things. The, I I see those as these gods that are uh, that are full of wrath, full of vindictive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Molech was you had to offer your children, isn't that right? Oh yeah, yeah. To, they, uh, would, they would start a fire and put a big metal pot, and you would throw your child into ugh. that into that pot, and you would. It, it, I can't even hardly say it, roast your child. Oh, ah. And that's how you, quote, pleased yeah. the god Molech. That's horrible. That's yeah, horrible. Yeah, and the gods of, of the Old Testament, the, the Canaanites and the Hittites yeah. and all that group, that they worship, very vindictive. Yes. And, you know, if you if you don't make the right sacrifice to me, I'll, I'll ruin your crop. Uh, there won't be rain on your crop. Yeah. And so it was always appeasing the angry gods trying to get them on your side. Yeah. And that that was the world of the Bible. And then and then Yahweh or Jehovah, he steps in and says, I'm nothing like that at all. Yeah. And uh, and we see this beautiful, beautiful uh, display of his loving kindness and, and his mercy. However, uh, I have to say that you started off kind of dark. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. Telling us about the, the anger and the wrath of God that, that he had towards the Israelites. Um, I mean, was that necessary? Maybe you need to give us a little background uh, about what was going on. Yeah, and people can read about it in the book of Exodus, uh, chapters 32, 33, and 34. Okay. And yet you're right. It, it, that story begins very dark because here Moses goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Before he can get down the mountain, they've already broken the first half of the command. Yeah. They're worshiping a golden calf. Uh. Well, mm. listen, God is a, is a jealous God, and yeah. he, uh, he accepts no rivals. And so 
God was justifiably angry at the people of Israel and said, listen, uh, you have violated the covenant agreement that you have made with me. And so the story is, you know, God is ready to destroy them, but to start over with Moses. But Moses basically intercedes for the people, talks God out Mm -hmm. of destroying them. And it's, it's an amazing story. And, but it, I tell you what it reminds me of, you know, the, the, the justifiable anger of God against uh, the sinful rebellion. And Moses intercedes and says, and God relented. Right. He changed his mind, Sean. Yeah. Because of Moses' heart and Moses' passion. It reminds me, though, when, you know, when you go down to, to buy a, a, a diamond ring for your wife, and I'm uh-huh. sure that happens, Sean, all the time. For all you. the time. All the time. <laughs> Have you ever noticed the, uh, the jeweler doesn't just pull a ring out of the out of the case and hold it up with his fingers and say, hey, Sean, what do you think about this one? No, no. He always rolls out this black cloth. Right. Sets yeah. the diamond down on it because that brings out the brilliance of the diamond. Ah. What this story does, it, it begins with the dark, the sinfulness of humanity. Yeah. But then set against that darkness becomes the brilliance of the mercy of God. Yeah, yeah. And, and it really is, it does show pretty clearly that the, the ignorance and um, the foul natureness of, that, that of, of what we really are naturally without his commandments uh, and without knowing his character. Um, you know, as you were talking about that, I, I thought about this question, how is the mercy of God compatible with the jealousy of God? I mean, you mentioned both of them just a few seconds ago. How are how how they compatible? Yeah, the, it's the mercy and the justice of God. Is it mercy or is it justice? The answer is yes. Ah. God is a just God because God is perfect. God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. But if God was all justice, Sean, we would all be fried. Right. Thank God Yeah. that he is not all justice because his justice according to scriptures, what I would say, his justice is tempered by his mercy. Uh So he's a very merciful God. Now, he can't tolerate sin. So how does God, and this is the question of scripture that Mm -hmm. leads all the way to Jesus, how can the justice of God be maintained and at the same time, the mercy of God be demonstrated? Well, that's Jesus. And the stories of the gospel is that God never compromised his justice. He didn't say, well, who cares about sin? It's no big deal. God cannot do that. Sin has to be dealt with, and the way it was dealt with was the mercy of God sending Jesus to become the blood sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. So that, as Romans 3 really helps us understand, that the mercy of God and the justice of God were both maintained. Mm. So God upheld his justice. Sin was paid for. The penalty was paid for. But the penalty was was born on the back of Jesus, not yeah. us. Yeah. And that's the good news of the gospel. Boy, powerful, powerful. Um, the one thing that is, that is undeniable is that, that God wants to restore a whole relationship with people made in his image, right? Absolutely. And one thing, Sean, you know, every time you read the scripture that you've read a thousand times, you learn something new. Uh This is the one that jumped off the page at me personally, is that 
you know, God, God reveals his character in, in the passage in Exodus 34. I'm a merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He reveals his character. And then in the next paragraph, an amazing thing happens. He tells Moses, God tells Moses, I, I want to restore the covenant with this rebellious, stiff-necked people. I want to restore the covenant that they broke. But here's the deal. I'm going to make it better than it was before. Yeah. Wow. That blew my mind. It wasn't, I would have thought God would say, I'm going to put them on probation. Let's see how this works out. Yeah. You know, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go get me a new group of people. Yeah. Uh, God says, here's, I'm going to restore the covenant, but I'm going to take it to a new level. And people are going to have to read the details of the scripture to see what I'm talking about. But he said, the nations are going to see things that I do for Israel that no nation has ever seen before. It, he even uses the word awesome. It's going to be <laughs> awesome what I'm going to do. Sean, well, that takes a lot of mercy. God not only forgives them, but he restores that relationship at a higher level than it was before. Yeah, That takes a lot of mercy. I, I can almost imagine some angels stepping in and saying, uh, Lord, are you, are you sure that that's wise? I mean, uh, we have some angels from legal, and they're saying that this this may not be a smart idea. Maybe there should be either a, a prenuptial type of agreement or some. None of that. Happened. What what angel would would do that? No, <laughs> that's not going to happen. But but you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's he does this just out of his mercy. Just gives more and more and more. Uh, and again, God's mercy is best seen against the dark reality of sin and rebellion and honestly the divine wrath they deserved yeah. that God relented of that so as Paul would say in the book of Romans you know when sin increases grace increases all the more yeah we see a living example of that in the Exodus story do you think we fully appreciate and understand the holiness and the wrath of God that that Jesus took for us absolutely not i i know i don't i i I know it intellectually but i drift i drift more and more toward the god is like the loving doting grandfather who says oh my grandchildren can do no harm and i'm just going to forgive and forget and it it is so easy to forget the uh, again as paul would say the kindness and severity of god we need to remember both kindness and severity of God. Wow. Wow. Okay, now, Rick, you, you said something intriguing. Um, you said that when, when God restores, let me know if I got this right. When God restores, he brings new hopes and dreams. What does that mean? How, and how can I access those new hopes and dreams? I believe that God desires a relationship with us so much. That is such a deep passion that he, he will go to great lengths to not only to establish it, but then to maintain it. Hmm. And the reason that's important is, Sean, if he doesn't maintain the covenant relationship, it will not survive. Yeah. Because we are human, we are frail, we drop the ball. It's amazing. In this covenant relationship, God has never compromised. He's never dropped the ball. Yeah. Uh, he has never failed us. He has never said one thing and done something else. So if this relationship that he deeply desires with 
his creation. It is so deep that, that he will go to, to unbelievable lengths. And the story in Exodus is a great example of that. Why in the world would God not just destroy these people and start over with Moses? Yeah. Well, God deeply desires that relationship and he's going to establish it and he will do whatever it takes to maintain it. And we have to remember this creation is God's and Satan invaded and he he threw a monkey wrench in the gears, but God did not walk away from his universe. Hmm. And God is determined to redeem his creation. Yeah. Not not just the whole creation, but people in particular. He is going to redeem his creation no matter what it takes. Let me throw a monkey wrench here. Um, this is this is a little off script. I, because I I wonder if how how are as we look at the at the demonstration of God's mercy, what does that mean for me towards other people? People that have really wronged me or brought injustice towards me. What, what does that mean? If God has shown mercy to me and I begin to fully realize it, who do I think I am not showing mercy to other people? Yeah. The audacity for mm. me to say, God, I am ready and willing and in need of your mercy. But that jerk who offended me, <laughs> no way. That neighbor that uh, ticked me off, no way. That family member who abused me, I'm not going to give them mercy. Yeah. No way. Mm. That's the implication. Is And we're going to really see this in the weeks ahead when we really bore into this concept of the mercy of God. It is not just mercy for me to receive and, and become a, a, a reservoir. Uh-huh. Uh, it It is poured into my life so I can be a river and let it flow to other people. Now, Rick, what if I don't want that? What if there's a part of my sinfulness? Uh, it, it's a perversion, and I get it, but I still want to keep it in. Yeah, what would in, you say? Yeah, in this study, in this study, we are going to learn a very hard, sobering, and, and frankly, frightening truth in Scripture. Hmm. And that is, if you do not extend mercy, then you will not receive mercy. Oh, mm. yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes truth is hard. Yeah. But, and so, you know, for Sean, for me, Sean, uh, I'm a very logical person uh, and you, you know me pretty well. I'm not mm-hmm. a, a feelings type person. I'm, I said in a sermon sometime back, I'm more like Mr. Spock on <laughs> Star Trek, you know, I'm Mr. Logical. Yeah. It, this is a little bit, honestly, if you're a logical person listening, this is a little easier for you than the feelings person. Mm. Because if you approach this logical, I just say, okay, do I want God to show mercy to me? Absolutely. Do I need God's mercy? Absolutely. God says, Rick, if you don't show mercy to other people, I will not show mercy to you. Man, I just do the math. Yeah. I do the math and go, okay, I can figure that equation. That This is not rocket science. Uh, I'm all in, God. And so you bet. I forgive people. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But I have. I also, Sean, have great empathy for, pe- pe- for people who are more wired emotionally. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for them to give up abuse yeah. and give up a grudge. Yeah. Um, 
I'm logical. I go, it, it makes no sense to hold a grudge. Yeah. I'm the one that hurts. You know, it's the old thing of, you know, I drink poison and hope my enemy dies. Right, right. It's that same idea. Okay. We talked about that in previous weeks. But yeah. isn't that amazing? Here we are again talking about the same thing. <laughs> if you do, and Scripture is very clear, if you do not extend mercy, God says, I will not extend mercy to you. That is a, that is, oh, Sobering. a horrible thought. Sobering. So, Rick, you made a reference to the woman caught in adultery, uh, and, and Jesus said to her, go and sin no more. Uh, Rick, how do we stop <laughs> sinning? I mean, isn't that a bit far-fetched? Yeah, and I think we need to understand what Jesus was really asking or, or, or telling the woman. Uh-huh. The good news is he was saying, listen, your sins are forgiven. You know, you, you've been in, a, in an adulterous relationship. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. I don't think he's saying I'm quite confident because he knows we're human. Right. He's not asking or demanding perfection, but he's saying you need a new direction in life. Mm-hmm. In the past, you have been in the direction of adultery. You've got to turn your life around. By the way, we call that repentance. Right, right. Repentance. What is repentance? A change of thinking that leads to a change of direction. Mm-hmm. And he's simply saying to the woman, listen, this has destroyed your life. You need to get on a new track, a new road, a new direction. You've been going east. Go west. Mm-hmm. Go west. That's where life is. Yeah, he's not demanding perfection of any of us, but he is saying you need to repent. You need to go in a different direction. Yeah. So this bus that you're on, you've got to get off. Absolutely. you got to go the other way. Okay, that's what he's saying. Rick, you close with a, a really powerful statement from Luke 15, 7. Um, uh, of the prodigal son, right? Uh, and that phrase, when he came to his senses, what, what would you say to the person listening who is coming to their senses? But also, what would, you say, what would you say to the person who has someone they love, but they're just refusing to come to their senses? First, to the person who, who has come to that point where they're going, you know, I'm on the wrong road. Uh-huh. I've, I've got to change my life. I'm, I'm wrecking my life. I'm wrecking my relationships. And they come to their senses. The first thing I would say to them is congratulations. Amen. You are at the most pivotal, mom- pivotal moment in your life. Yeah. I would say congratulations. You are now ready to meet the God of mercy. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> now, and, and Sean, a very real part two to your question, because many people are, are living here. What do you say to that person that you, I mean, you love, maybe it's a, a relative or a good friend, but they refuse to come to their senses. What do you do? Yeah. Um, you keep praying. You keep praying for them. And I believe, Sean, you also have to find a balance. It, don't nag, but, but when you have opportunity, offer the better way. Yeah. Offer the better way. Uh, and more than anything, live out the better way. They need to see in your life, in your example, that there's something different about you and it is attractive. It is appealing to yeah. them. And more people are won by example than by sermons. Amen. And so don't give up on those people. I've had people in my life like that. And you know, you want to just nag them. You want to grab them and mm-hmm. say, you've got to understand. And and that doesn't work. Yeah. That doesn't work. But you just keep praying. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, folks, it's come to the moment you've been waiting for, and that is Rick's quote of the week. Oh, 
Okay, Rick, what do you got for us this week? Well, this quote is from Andy Andrews, and right now uh, all of our pastors are going through one yes. of Andy Andrews' books. A great little book. Loving this book. And he has a great quote at the beginning of one of his chapters, and it just segues right out of your last question about what do you do with somebody who refuses to come to their senses. Yeah. Andy Andrews says this, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him think. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great yeah, right. if you could not only lead them to water, but make them think clearly? And Sean, you just can't do that. Yeah. Every person has to think for themselves. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Rick, what else is going on here at Grace? Well, week two of the Miracle of Mercy is this Sunday, and we take kind of the step one into the deeper water. We talk about God of forgiveness. And we're going we're gonna to follow the Israelites a little bit further in the biblical narrative. Remember the story of the 12 spies? I do. They go into the land, and 10 have a bad report, 2 have a good report. Yeah. We're going to look at that story. And, and so here's the question we will be answering. Does God forgive repeat offenders? Oh. Ooh. And also, one. this Sunday, we're excited here at Grace. We kick off our annual Operation Christmas Child Many of you in the audience know it as the Christmas shoebox ministry. Yes. Uh-huh. And every year we collect thousands of shoeboxes and them all over the world with the good news of Christ and some fun gifts for the kids. We kick that off this Sunday. If people want to know more about it, Sean, I think they can go to our webpage. That's correct. And there is a link, am I right? That's right. Just go to the, the homepage and go down to where the, the turnstile is and you'll see the Operation Christmas Child page. So that's what's coming this week. And uh, again, we love to have new faces at it's Grace. So You're always welcome to Grace. Come and join us. Come on. For miracle of mercy. Amen. Thank you, Rick, for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.